Good morning and welcome to Chanel. We are glad that you're with us this morning. I want to say thank you to Roger Williams for preaching last week. Uh, Roger filled in while we were in Florida and some of you have asked how my vacation was and if you've ever gone on a trip with kids, that's how our vacation was. Um, it was a relief to get home. Um, but we had a good time, we had a good trip. And like a lot of people do when they go, you know, we went to Fort Walton Beach and into those areas, we decided one evening to take some of our money and just light it on fire. And what we did was we took our children to the track. If you're familiar with these type of things, all type of beach, you know, cities have these type of things where uh, there are go-karts, there are arcades, there are rides like that for kids. And when you go, you're like, hey, let's do it. This is a family. It'll be fun. And then you see what it costs. And you're like, my goodness, um, to ride a go-kart costs, uh, you know, a, a year's worth of play, pay. And so we go to this place because Judah, it was after Judah's birthday, and he wanted to go and, and spend some of his birthday money there. And so we go to the track. He rides the go-karts. And then he says, I've got a couple of extra points left. Can I go to the arcade? Now, most normal sane people would say no. Um, but we were like, you know what, buddy, let's do it. You can go to the arcade for just a little bit. Now, a little bit about Judah is he loves video games. He loves Super Mario. He loves all of those things, but the arcade, it brings out something in that kid that we just were not prepared for often, where he would abandon his family. He would say, this is, I'm sorry, guys, it's been a good run, but I want to live here in this arcade with these track people. And he, he probably would. If we did not make him leave, he would still be at Fort Walton Beach at the track, just trying his darkness at those games. But when we were trying to leave, we were like, hey, buddy, you've got one swipe left, and that's it. You've got one more game to play. He plays it, and he just kind of stands there. And I'm like, this kid is going to try to slow game us and try to play a little bit more arcade. And what Whitney and I have started doing, and parents, you can take this if you want to. It's not in any parenting book that you're going to find. It's called the pretend to leave the kid at the arcade. I think that's the, the medical term for it. And so what we do, we use this at Target, you can use this at restaurants, wherever you'd like, but pretend to leave the kid is when you do a formal goodbye, and you walk up to Judah and you'll say, hey buddy, listen, mommy and daddy are leaving, uh, we understand that you love this arcade, um, we, the, you know our address right, do you think you can get there if we leave you here? Now sometimes the kid will be like, I know what they're doing, I know this is fake, we've done it a few times, and that's where you have to add the actual exit. So as parents, you've got to turn away and you got to start walking away. Now, you can feel that kid be like, they're going to leave me here this time, right? And you do it, you do it, until finally they run up behind you and say, don't forget me. It's a great feeling because, one, as a parent, you've won a battle. But, two, it's one of those reminders that we, we don't want to be forgotten, that we don't want to be left behind. Now, on a less serious note, I have started watching Internet videos of people being left behind their cruise ships. Um, this is something that I'm personally doing just to find some fulfillment and joy in my life. But if you've ever seen these videos, they're becoming very popular, especially now that we're in kind of cruise travel season. What individuals are doing is they are standing on the balconies of the boats, and they are recording people who have missed the time that the boat is leaving. So perhaps they just had so much fun in whatever city that they are in that they lost track of time. They were shopping, they had a great time. If you're familiar with cruise ships, it's when it's time to go, it's time to go. And so what we've done is we've got about a couple of different clips, I think Jack's ready with that video, of people being left behind their cruise ships. Let's play this. 
thank you for entertaining me with those videos. I enjoy them a lot for a lot of different reasons. One, the people who think the, the cruise ship is going to stop. Um, it's also sad when you can see the shadow of the ship leave, and you're like, oh, you didn't make it, buddy. You didn't make it. Um, and, and just a kind of a word of the wise, as I was looking into these videos, if you are left behind, it is your responsibility as a passenger to get to the next port of entry. Um, and so maybe you get off the boat, you leave your passport, you know, some of your money. I'm just telling you, this is kind of a cautionary tale. It hasn't happened to me. I don't want it to happen to you. But I, I love those videos for a lot of different reasons. Uh, one, they're funny to me, but they also remind us how important it is that we're not forgotten. Eddie alluded to this in his communion meditation. There's, there's a human instinct within us to not be left behind, to be remembered. Like a lot of these individuals in that, that silly video, they were forgotten. The boat left without them. Scripture tells us a lot about remembering people. Uh, actually, I would argue that a lot of the Old Testament is laying the foundation for remembering where the Israelites had been. And there's no greater story in Scripture than I believe in Moses. Moses is an individual who is remembered for the life that he lived, the sacrifice that he gave, the legacy that he left, not just with the Israelites, but also with Joshua. And Moses' life ends so heartbreaking to me. It ends in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 1 and 2. It says, then Moses went out and spoke these words to all of Israel. I'm now 120 years old. I'm no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. Think about that for a minute. A man who's given everything to God. He's put his life on the line numerous times. He's dedicated his service, his existence, his entire being to trusting God, going where God leads him. And then he gets to this point of the promised land and God says, you, you can't enter. And so Moses starts leaving instructions. And in verse 5, it says, the Lord will deliver them to you and you must do them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And then in verse 7, Moses summons all of Israel and Joshua, and he restates those words. He says, be strong and courageous, for you must go with these people, with this people, into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. And the story of Moses ends there, not getting to enter into the promised land, but leaving a legacy for those that will enter it. See, the, the next story that comes out of Deuteronomy is Joshua. And Joshua is someone who has been around Moses the majority of his life. Moses has, Joshua has learned from Moses. He's, he saw how Moses leads these people. And I would argue that Joshua lives in the legacy of Moses' sacrifice and the way that he lives. And so Joshua starts off in a similar way. It kind of connects the dots. Because after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them. To the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. And you hear the same language in verses 7 and 8. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. 
There's a lot of language that's saying, remember what you were taught. Remember the example that came before you. Remember the ways of Moses, how he led, how he communicated, how he trusted God, how he was courageous even in moments where he was afraid. So then you will be prosperous and successful. And then God instructs them in verse 12 and 13, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot into Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand in a heap. Now this next picture that we have is a picture of the Jordan River. It looks very tame, very mild. But that's not technically accurate, this picture. Because when they would have tried to cross this river would have been the next picture that we have, Jack. This one. In rough water. You've got a lot of people to cross this river. But what happens is, and you see this in verse three, or excuse me, verse fourteen and sixteen in verse chapter three. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. So they're following the ark. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest, like that picture we saw before. Yet as soon as the priests who carried it, go back to that text for me. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped. Now I have a, a cartoon depiction of this, because we, we don't have photographs of when this actually happened. Uh, but in that cartoon picture there, you can see that they're picking up these stones from the water, from the, the riverbed. In chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, it says, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up the twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at a place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up one stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. Again, that, that cartoon picture that we saw just a second ago reminds us of that. They go into this dry riverbed. They pick up 12 stones. They build an altar. Now, there's a reason why they do this. It's not just because stones are cool. It's not because they were like, well, we need something to remember this event. They do it because they are memorializing the journey that they've been through. They are recognizing that they have gone through difficult and challenging waters to get to where they are. And in reality, they are honoring the sacrifice of those who have come before them. So Joshua says this in Joshua 4, verses 6-7. through In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So they do as God has commanded them. They have a representative from each of the tribes, and they build this altar on the other side of the river. Again, honoring the journey, remembering where they've been. Eddie mentioned this, that this weekend is Memorial Day weekend. I don't know, some of you may know this, but I'm on the board of our homeowner association. It's one of my proudest things that I do. 
Um, and we've been sending out so many communication things about the pool is open. The pool is opening this weekend. Actually, they opened it up at 10, and I said, as a minister, I'm aghast by that. Um, why would you open it during church time? But the pools are open. The barbecues are going. Like that is, the Memorial Day weekend often symbolizes the unofficial beginning of summer. But that's not what Memorial Day started as. I spent this past week looking up where Memorial Day started. And if you Google this, you're going to get a ton of different communities saying, we started Memorial Day, which is, I guess, fun. But there's a lot of different tracks that you can go down. But the one that I'm choosing uh, is a group of women from Columbus, Mississippi, who after the Civil War were going to put flowers on the graves of uh, Confederate soldiers. And when they were at this gravesite, at the cemetery, they recognized that Union soldiers didn't have any flowers or any decorations on their graves. And the story goes that one of the moms who was putting flowers on her son's grave said, it's not right that these Union soldiers don't have flowers too. Because somewhere up north, there's a mom or a wife that's mourning the loss of her kid or her husband. And thus begins the tradition of Memorial Day, of decorating decorating graves uh, at cemeteries. Now, it became formalized in 1868 by this guy right here with an excellent mustache. His name is General John Logan, and he was the commander-in-chief of the Grand Army of the Republic, an organization of Union veterans. And Logan became fascinated with all the different Memorial Day holidays that existed. Up until 1868, every battle or conflict that the United States was in had their own Memorial Day. Each one was different, but specific to that event. And what John Logan said was, we need one day that celebrates all of the fallen soldiers who have given the ultimate sacrifice to this country, and we should honor them on that day. Now, originally, Memorial Day was called Decoration Day, because it was a day that you went to cemeteries and you decorated graves. And when John Logan was suggesting to the country that we should do this, he wanted it to be on the first Monday, or the last Monday of May because that was when flowers would be in bloom, making it easy for people to find things to decorate these uh, grave sites with. And as I was looking through these stories of Decoration Day and Memorial Day, what hit me was the intentionality behind it. See, if we're going to remember, if we're going to honor somebody, it has to be done with purpose and meaning. My grandmother would take me to my grandfather's gravesite. He, he served, he didn't die in a war, but he, she would take me to his gravesite every Memorial Day. And when my grandmother would take us to that gravesite, she would tell us stories about Robert, her Robert, as she would call him. Over and over, year after year, we would do this. But there was an intentionality in that that I see that is reflected in what we do with Memorial Day. But not just with Memorial Day, but what we do as believers of Christ. See, the story that we see in Joshua, I think, can easily be connected to that that we see in communion. Jesus talks about communion in Matthew chapter 26. It says, On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover meal? So he replied, verse 19, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, my appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them to prepare the Passover meal. 
And I was thinking about the connection between communion and Memorial Day. I immediately went to this next visual. Not that one. Go to the communion table. There we go. This communion table. Growing up, this is what I thought of when I thought of communion. Uh, we had a, a large brown wooden table uh, that had an open area behind it, which was excellent for uh, hide-and-go-seek when no parents were there. You never did that if your parents were there. But we had this huge table in, in the kind of front part of our auditorium, and as a kid, I would stare at it. Because the language of this do in remembrance of me was one that I wasn't like, I was like, that's not how I talk. Um, but this table came to mind when I thought about Memorial Day. Because every Sunday, as a church family, we would come together and we would break the bread. We would drink the juice. And there are some times where that may feel like we're going through the motions and we're just doing it over and over and over again. But that's not how it was intended. See, in verse 26, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Verses 27 and 29, then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. See, when Jesus institutes the practice of communion, it's not meant to be something that you just go through the motions for. See, as we take communion, we as followers of Christ are living in that legacy. We are honoring that sacrifice that Christ died on the cross for each of us. And as we take the cup and as we break the bread, we remember that. We memorialize that. But it shouldn't just be something that we do on Sundays. And as I think about Memorial Day, as I think about the connection between Memorial Day with Joshua and Moses, it's not just about remembering. It's about honoring that person in how we live. And we see that in communion as well. Communion should not just be a drink and a bread. It should be a, rem- a reminder that we are called to live in the sacrifice of Christ. As Ron read in Scripture, in Hebrews chapter 13, 7, the writer of Hebrews writes, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. For me, that's what Memorial Day is all about. Remembering those who gave the sacrifice so that we may live freely. But it's also about remembering that as Christians, we are called to imitate the sacrifice of Christ in the way that we live and how we treat others. So this week, I encourage you to reflect on Hebrews 13, 7. To remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Let's stand and sing together.